Sportsnet 960, The Fan. It's our inaugural show, Russick and Rose. I just hope our show doesn't turn out to be. Are you a? Are you like a, a sitcom rerun watcher? Like, do you watch old episodes of Seinfeld? Or yeah. Like Friends or like Big Bang Theory? Although I'm not a Big Bang guy. Only like when I'm going to bed. Like I'll okay, watch sure. reruns of The Office right. when I'm going to bed because I'm like I don't need any. And have you ever noticed in all those shows the pilots are really bad? Terrible. Yeah. I hope our show progresses where it's really good, and then we'll listen back to this show and go woof. I recently watched <laughs> the pilot for Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah. And I went, wow, you guys really turned this into 15 seasons, huh? That's what I mean. <laughs> it's our My inaugural goodness. episode. Super excited. Um, at the bottom of the hour, Buck Martinez, the television voice of the Blue Jays on Sportsnet, will join us. But right now, very pleased to be joined for, for our NFL analyst from CBS Sports. Had the call of the Bills and Ravens yesterday. We say good morning to Charles Davis. Charles, how are you? I'm doing well, and congratulations to you both. Your maiden voyage. Yes. That is so cool. Let's just hope it All doesn't that. end up in the Titanic, uh, Charles. Let's just hopefully it's smooth listen, sailing. Listen, listen, listen. Stop, stop with the Titanic thing, all right? <laughs> what people forget about the Titanic oh, is, okay. yes, there was disaster. Right. But there were survivors. It's true. Okay? Right. We always act like everyone perished. That's not true. The band did play until it went down, which mm-hmm. was also, also very cool. But a whole lot of people made it, and we forget about that. That doesn't come up enough, okay? And the second thing is, you're so right about the pilots. People forget (laughs) Seinfeld was originally titled The Seinfeld Chronicles. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was no good. And they wanted to cancel it. Yeah. And they wanted to cancel it, and they didn't cancel it. It found its footing, and now, of course, you know it's iconic, and it makes a ton of money, and the syndication reruns and everything else. So off you go. So you take in your Great run stuff. with it. Uh, Charles, I've you seen... You guys are going to be just fine. Th- thank you. I've seen this on the internet, so it must be true. Apparently, one of the chefs on the Titanic, to survive, chugged an entire bottle of cognac, and that gave him the ability to survive the freezing water till he was rescued. Is that a lesson for all of us? Yeah, it raises, raises, body, raises body temperature enough that he was able to do it. Yeah. Because it's a short-term deal. Because a lot of people talk about that when they go to cold-weather games. You bring your flask in. You take a nip. It keeps you going. <laughs> you have to be careful with it because it's a short-term kind of fix. But for that guy, listen, that night, <laughs> it's all you had, and it worked pretty well. So. I know one thing. When I get cold, I'm going to the cognac from now on. There you go. (laughs) Uh, I love it. Uh, We loved your call of the Bills and Ravens yesterday. Uh, You guys were talking about it on the broadcast, letting the Bills score late, because what did they do, Charles? They just milked the clock and kicked a chip shot field goal as time expired and run. How surprising is that for a Baltimore team that's so analytically driven that you just let yeah. Devin Singletary score. Push him into the end zone so you give Lamar Jackson another chance. I don't understand why teams don't do this, and I thought you brought up some excellent points on the broadcast yesterday. Well, thank you. And what was really strange to us was to hear the post game because you, you just nailed it in terms of a team that's so analytically driven because John Harbaugh, the head coach of the Ravens, did talk about how analytics drove his decision not to kick a field goal when the game was tied late and go for a touchdown that they didn't get and turned the ball over to Buffalo who came down and kicked the game-winning field goal. So if you're analytically driven there, what happened? Well, as best I understand it, having talked to a couple people in Baltimore, you know, since that time and early this morning, there was confusion on the defense about what they were actually doing. Are we letting them score or are we going for a strip if we have an opportunity to try and knock the ball away? 
And some of the guys thought, hey, we're letting them score. And Adafe Owe, who made the tackle on Singletary, remember that run where Singletary went down around the two? Yeah. That, or the three or whatever it was. Remember, Owe tackled him. He said he was going for the strip. He thought, hey, if I had a chance for a strip, I'll go for it here. So they had confusion. So that kind of goes with a little bit of their theme for the season. They're lost in Miami. Confusion in the secondary. Gave up big plays. Blew a 21-point lead. Yesterday, I think the lead got to what, guys? 20 to twenty to 3 in the first half. And they blew that one. 17-point lead. Ended up blowing that one and losing another game. And again, communication was an issue. And I will tell you, that's very unusual for a Baltimore Ravens team. I don't expect it to continue. But that was a very, very big moment at that time. And, and I will tell you this. <laughs> I'm still convinced Singletary was going down when Oway tackled him because I think he was playing the clock the way that we were discussing. It's an interesting kind of dilemma at the end of the game there. And then, of course, we saw the the heated kind of discussion is the word that I'll use between Peters and Harbaugh that's, as, that's as the word. game went on. Yeah, yeah. It, it just seems like things are almost coming awry there in that Baltimore team a little bit early, especially when you look at the way the AFC North is, is laying out. It's a whole bunch of teams at 500 right now. Yeah, and I think they, you know, missed opportunity, I think, is where we're both going on this, right? I think if I'm, if I'm, am I mind-melding with you? Because 100%. that game... The Miami game, look, Miami beat beat Baltimore and the Bills, okay? And when you look back on both games, congratulations to Miami, but you really don't feel like they won both of those games. You feel like the other team gave them both games. And and that's where that's where it's very strange. And again, back to what we were where we're going with it. Mind, I mean, missed opportunity. Games in hand. You're up seventeen. Your defense is playing well. Your offense is clicking now and, and moving the ball on the ground. And then in the second half, things aren't going quite the same way. Buffalo's moving the ball on the defense that had been dominating them in the first half. Uh, you know, Baltimore can't move ball quite at the same rate that they did in the first half against that Buffalo defense, which changed up their style and personality somewhat out of desperation. But it was working, and give Leslie Frazier, the defensive coordinator for Buffalo, credit for sticking with it. They came into the game. I know it's only it was only three games going in or four games. Look, they came in the lowest blitz rate in the league, 4.7%. Okay, so they had blitz like five times all year, right? When they were down 20-3 to and had to have it, had to slow them down, they started getting the blitz situations where it was second and long, third and long, and they brought extra pressure, and it slowed them down. It changed what Baltimore was doing, and Lamar Jackson had been eating up blitzes earlier this year, but in this ball game, that rate changed. And once Leslie Frazier realized it was working, okay, we're going to have to stay with this as we claw our way back into the game. That's big-time credit for changing up who you are as a defense, what your personality is, and they made it work. And, and put themselves in a position for that for that win. So it's very strange. And I will say this, Marcus Peters, remember you saw at the end where he was screaming and threw his helmet and the whole deal, right? As I best understand it, that stemmed from them not kicking the field goal. Yeah, That's mm-hmm. where it started with him. Mm-hmm. Why do you not kick the field goal and trust us as a defense as opposed to going for the touchdown? By going for the touchdown, you were telling us as a defense you didn't trust us to stop them. And he was upset with John Harbaugh. 
Charles Davis, NFL analyst for CBS Sports, joining us here on the big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Charles, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles hype train just keeps continually picking up speed. Another impressive win. They go down 14-0 early to the Jags and then completely run all over Jacksonville. Um, are they the class of the NFC in your mind? Is, is there any doubt? At this moment, no. They've played to that level. But the weird part is when you look at their division, would we have thought in the beginning of the season, I think we could have made a case that Philadelphia would be leading, right? I think there were a number of people that thought they would win the division, right? I, I know I did. I picked them in preseason. Mm-hmm. Um, I also picked New Orleans to go to the playoffs. So let's balance that out, right? <laughs> so before everyone thinks I think I'm some type of Karnak, you know, the Magnificent, I haven't quite got it right <laughs> yet. We'll, we'll see how it plays out. But I picked Philly in the preseason. I didn't think that was a real reach, Okay. I thought they were a little bit better than Dallas. But did we really think Dallas would be 3-1 and one and the New York Giants would be 3-1 and one at wow. the same time? I don't think so. Um, just, so at this moment, they're the class of, of the NFC and right. obviously the NFC East. But they're going to get challenged. Green Bay, it may have been ugly. But just like last year, blown out in the opener against New Orleans, ended up going 13-4, and four, guys. Guess what? Green Bay's 3-1 and one now. Yeah. I mean, it, this is how it goes with this league. We overreact on week one, which is fun. <laughs> we have a blast. <laughs> and then we settle in and watch how things go. And we'll see Cincinnati started 0-2. People were ready to put them in the heap. Guess what? I still think they're the best team in the AFC North. You know, as we sit here right now, I still think they are the best team until mm-hmm. proven differently. So we'll see how it all plays out. But right now, yes, Philadelphia and the NFC, but they're going to be – people will run it down. The Rams are still out there who play the 49ers tonight. Green Bay's out there. Tampa Bay, despite what happened last night, is out there. You know, don't worry. It'll be a contest before it's said and done. Uh, I love that you talked about the Cowboys. Um, Charles, Cooper Rush, again, uh, 4-0, first Cowboys quarterback to ever do that. Obviously, when Dak Prescott's healthy, he's the starting quarterback in Dallas. Um, I don't even want to ask if there's even a leash on Dak Prescott, but there isn't. But how much is Cooper Rush uh, himself personally showing the NFL that uh, maybe if you want to take a chance on a guy who could win you some games and really not hurt you by turning over the football, is Cooper Rush going to be starting potentially for another team next season, Charles? That's a potential. And I think what happens in these situations is that you build up a, a, a look, a value that maybe is better than what you actually are and someone buys it. Now, I don't know if he's a free agent or not, guys. I I, I don't know enough about his contract status. But congratulations to him. He's putting it out there. And and when teams look around at their starting quarterback and all of a sudden they turn their nose up and go, I don't like my guy very much. But Cooper Rush is killing it in Dallas. (laughs) You can easily talk yourself into these things. And I've seen it so many times, and we all have. Remember remember the name Charlie Whitehurst? Yep. Clipboard Jesus. Best nickname in sports. Yeah. But, But but before he became that, he was seen as a starter in the league. Someone went and got him off a preseason tape. That was Seattle. That didn't work so well. Okay? Uh, let's see. Let me throw it. Remember Matt Flynn? Yep. Had the big game in Green Bay, and everybody said, oh, he's the hot free agent. Seattle signed him for big contract and drafted Russell Wilson the same year in the third round, and Russell Wilson beat him out in training camp. And I always envisioned Pete Carroll as the head coach and John Schneider as the GM having to go to, to 
then owner Paul Allen, when he was still with us, and saying, we need Matt Flynn. We, we authorized the money for Matt Flynn. Okay, if you guys think so, sure. Weeks later, um, our third-round pick is better. We want to play him instead of the guy you authorized the money for. You good with that? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm quite sure Paul <laughs> Allen said, are you good with that? Because you can do what you want, but if it doesn't work out, neither one of you will be here because you're the ones who beg me for the money. So these things happen. I think Cooper Rush is a quality backup in the league. I'm not ready to call him a starter that you say, hey, he's my guy. We're going to the playoffs, the whole deal. He's doing a phenomenal job in Dallas right now. Put him in other situations. I'm still not ready to get there. He can change my mind, but I would want him to be my backup. I'd be very happy to have him be that guy for me. I'm not sure I'm ready to invest in him and is running my team full-time yet. Charles, how are you feeling about Russell Wilson, who four games into his tenure with the Broncos is 2-2. Two and two. He's 17 for 25, 237 yards, a couple of touchdown passes in the latest setback, a loss on the road against the Raiders, a divisional loss as well. How are you feeling about his first few games with the Broncos? Not crazy. Uh, not crazy good. Not ready to declare it a, a bust experiment by any stretch of the imagination. But he doesn't look as comfortable as one would expect him to be, hopefully at a later time. And what I mean by that is we're not seeing him make those off-schedule plays that we're so used to seeing from Russ, right? You know, when, when, when they were screaming, let Russ cook after, after they quit playing, hand it off, hand it off, Russ throw, hand it off, hand it off, Russ throw. But they could hand it off, hand it off, and it would be third and two. You know, back in the good old days in Seattle, mm -hmm. things had changed. They couldn't play to their defense anymore, so they put it in his hands. You guys remember there was one season where they missed the playoffs at 9-7. and seven. He played through injury after injury after injury, never missed a snap, led the team in passing, obviously, but also led the team in rushing and was the only back to score a touchdown on the ground. And they went 9-7 and seven that year. They had a little bit of lack of talent. He elevated them. Can we get that Russell Wilson back? A little bit older, learning a new system, new head coach, new place. I say let's, let's check back, guys, in about six weeks and see where we are then. Because I do think things are going to get better. But I think the hard part is in the AFC West, as soon as he joined, we all looked at that division and went, Mahomes, Herbert, Carr, Wilson. And by the way, AFC West is struggling right now. Yeah, that's been one of my biggest, I think, surprise takeaways of the season. You know, you've got the Chiefs, who another humongous win yesterday against the Buccaneers. They moved to 3-1. and one, But apart from that, Absolutely. the division is, has generally struggled. Um, what, what did that win for Kansas kind of do for that division for you as you look at uh, the Week 5 slate? Yeah, it kind of helped us get back to what we thought they would be as a, as a division and division as a whole. And again, it's still way too early to start saying this division versus that division. But I think we're all just, we, you know, <laughs> when we saw all those four quarterbacks in the division and we were all making the, the major pronouncements for the top 15 quarterbacks in the league, and frankly, it's closer to four of the top 12 quarterbacks in the league reside in the AFC West. And we're trying to figure out who the fourth is. Is the fourth Derek Carr or is the fourth Russell Wilson? Hmm. Because I think we would have ranked Mahomes and Herbert ahead of both of them. Um, so, you know, there's going to be no easy days in the AFC West, Kansas city back coming back, bouncing back off of the loss and going to Tampa to not only beat the Buccaneers, 
but exercise some of those Super Bowl demons, so to speak. The weird part is there are a good number of guys on that Kansas City team that weren't around for that Super Bowl. <laughs> right. And now this is truly Patrick Mahomes' team. He's always been great. That's not been the issue. But when Tyreek Hill got moved, right, and, and you no longer have some of the other receivers that were there, Demarcus Robinson's gone and, and Sammy Watkins is gone, and they really put their trust in, in Patrick Mahomes. I've said it, and I don't know if it's an original thought or what have you, but they've treated him this offseason as if it were Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, whatever. Okay, it doesn't matter who the receivers are. Mm. Patrick will make them better and make us better and elevate us. And they let him take handle that. And guess what? It's happening. Like he Marcos Valdez, Marcos Valdez Gantlin, I think he's gonna have his best season as a pro. And I'm not firmly convinced that he's a great receiver. He's got great speed, but they're turning him into a better player, and I'm I'm giving Patrick Mahomes a ton of the credit for it. Monday Niner tonight in San Francisco, Charles uh, should be really good. Super Bowl champion Rams at the Niners. We know the Niners have a championship-level defense. Can their offense be average enough to get them to the Super Bowl? It can be, but they've got to develop that that, that buzzword that we use like crazy in the league, consistency. They haven't had it. And they always develop runners, and you never know where they're coming from. Think about Kyle Shanahan's time there, who have been the lead runners. Feels like it changes every year, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You're not sure who's going to merge out of the pack. Remember remember the run Raheem Mostert had? Yeah. Like, Where's the power run game of Kyle Shanahan right now? Where is it, Charles? Like, I don't see it. That, and he's one, he's wondering the same thing, and I'll tell you where it is. It's in an offensive line that's beat up and, and not settled. Mm. Remember, Trent Williams got hurt up right. in Denver. That's going to hurt your run game right off the top. It's a brand-new center, and Jake Brendel, who's been a career backup, taking over for Alex Mack, okay? <laughs> um, uh, Banks, uh, Aaron Banks, I believe is his name, out of Notre Dame, played like five snaps as a rookie. He's starting at guard. See where I'm going? Yeah. Again, let's see how this develops for them. Because as a general rule, Kyle Shanahan does develop that run game because he believes in it so much. They're very similar to Philadelphia. How many times did Philadelphia run it yesterday? Did you guys see that number? Uh, It felt like a million. 50. Wow. 50 runs in the NFL. That is a million. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, no one runs it 50 times. That's like college football in the 70s. (laughs) <laughs> they ran at 50. San Francisco wants to be that type of a team. Elijah Mitchell has been hurt. Okay. They haven't developed the second back yet. Trey Sermon got cut in preseason. You know, they drafted Tyrion Price uh, out, out, of, out of LSU. He was, he was healthy scratch game one. They've got to figure it out. But it's usually some guy comes out of nowhere, like Mostert did in the playoffs and went to the Super Bowl that year. And then it's going to be someone else. Look, that's pretty much true. Remember his father in Denver? Remember when every year it was a different guy running for a thousand yards of Landis, Gary, Mike oh, Anderson. Yep. <laughs> I mean, we can go on and on. They develop runners. I don't expect it to be different, but that's what has to happen so they don't waste that defense. Because right now, that's where they're headed. The defense is going to play well, but they've got to get that offensive consistency. Remember, Trey Lance was supposed to be the quarterback. Jimmy G wasn't even supposed to be there. All of a sudden, Jimmy G's back, but getting his sea legs now. Tonight's going to be a big one. They're at home against the Rams, and they've owned the Rams in preseason. I mean, in regular season. Mm -hmm. 
Last, I think the, the the playoff game last year is the first time the Rams had won like seven or eight times against the 49ers, which seems very weird. Absolutely, and Kyle Shanahan's had Sean McVay's number. Charles Davis, NFL analyst for CBS Sports. Charles, great stuff. Can't wait to talk to you next Monday. Thanks for this. Hey, thanks a lot for having me on, guys. And again, congratulations. And in the name of the Calgary Stampede Corral, Okay. Lanny McDonald's beard and mustache. Okay. And Jerome Ginla. Thanks for having me on. Awesome stuff. Thanks, Charles. Just killing it. Charles Davis, an absolute legend. Uh, Maddie, we got to tee up this game real quick tonight. Niners and Rams and mm-hmm. NFL Big Bets brought to you by Sports Select. Sports Select has more sports leagues and for a limited time, better odds and over under and point spread. Build your ticket at Sports Select. Right now, looking at the odds, Niners minus two at home against the Rams at a buck 80. I like the Niners in this spot. I think Jimmy G looked a little wonky against the Broncos in that Monday night performance, uh, the Sunday night performance last week. Got to build a little more continuity with his receivers again. I think he'll be a little more comfortable for Rams defense. That absolutely does not look like the same Rams defense, especially with no Von Miller on the D-line. The defense has been elite. Matthew Stafford has a hole in the offensive line with Andrew Wentworth retiring, his all-pro left tackle. His elbow's still a bit of an issue. No chemistry with Allen Robinson so far. I like the Niners minus two. Oh, man. I I just don't love betting against the Rams, uh, especially when the line is slight. You raise many a good point, but at the same time, it is Matthew Stafford. I feel like at some point, Allen Robinson has to wake up and have a little bit more production than he's been able to put on the field thus far. I might be more willing to go ahead and, and grab some points on this one myself. Okay. But I also jumped on a little prop bet earlier today. What do you like? What's Debo, tickling your fancy? Debo, yeah, over four and a half grabs. Okay, easy money. I like it because he is. I always love when people a, say easy money too. Always, or lock. Lock is my favorite. It's a too. lock, George. I love it. It's done. Four and a half catches. We'll take the cash to the bank. Okay, I'm feeling good about that one because he's such a focal part of the offense. He'll probably end up running the ball a bunch. Maybe they count a couple shovel passes instead of doing a direct handoff. You hope for a couple of those the easy mm-hmm. grabs in the flat, that type of thing. Um, so that's another thing that I've thrown a couple bucks on. Uh, let me give you a super chalky prop for tonight too. Cooper cup in his last three games on Monday night football has at least 11 catches and 120 yards receiving. Oh, he loves him. That's... some Monday. He is the anti Kirk cousins yeah. on Monday night. Put him in the bright lights. Look out. Yeah, Cooper Cup gets it done. All right. Uh, That's NFL Big Bets brought to you by Sports Select. Sports Select has more sports leagues. And for a limited time, better odds on over, under, and point spread. Build your ticket at sportselect.com. Blue Jays talk with the legendary Buck Martinez straight ahead. It's the big show. Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, the fan. 30, but right now, those scorching hot Toronto Blue Jays, fresh off sweeping the Red Sox. And their magic number down to two to clinch a home playoff wild card series in the American League. To talk about that, the play-by-play voice, caller, does everything for Sportsnet. We say good morning to Buck Martinez. Buck, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Uh, we're great. Thanks for taking the time. Uh, Buck, we know that in baseball, sometimes the best team doesn't win the World Series. Usually the hottest teams have deep runs in the playoffs. Could this be a better time to be a Blue Jays fan and how well they're playing heading into the postseason? <laughs> No, they're really playing well right now. Obviously, uh, 
sweeping the Red Sox and, and winning 16 games against Boston this year, a pretty dominant run against the Red Sox. And, uh, you know, their work's not done yet, as you mentioned. They, uh, they need a magic number of two to clinch home field, and they certainly want to play at home in front of the crowd. You know, we had great crowds all weekend long. Yesterday, 43,877. It's been a great ride. But this month of September has been terrific, and uh, into October now they're playing well also. So it's uh, it's been a fun ride, and I think they're primed and ready for a good run in the postseason. Now, Buck, how key is it, even just psychologically, maybe not the players but the, the fans themselves, that the Blue Jays don't have to play at the awful trop in the postseason? Yeah, well, I think it affects the players a lot. That's not a very fun place to play. There's not much atmosphere there. It's... Uh, you know what? Uh, when we were kids and it was on a rainy day, we had to go in the gym to uh, do our uh, athletics, and it was just not fun. And it's the same attitude when you go down into the trap. It's just uh, it's not a good atmosphere. And I think uh, because of that, the Rays have always had a home record that's pretty impressive. So I think uh, you know now that the prospects of playing at the trap are off the table, I think it's pretty good for the Blue Jays. Just a thought, Buck, on what we've seen from John Schneider, who I love this speech to the team as they were celebrating Friday night after that big win. He gets handed this impressive batting lineup, a very solid rotation, a, a decent bullpen, and he turns it into a, a trip to the playoffs and perhaps a home day. Just a thought on what John's been able to do in his tenure. I think he's done a great job with this team. And, um, you know, to his credit, Charlie Montoyo gave John an awful lot of responsibility when he was the bench coach. And I think that helped John prepare for this opportunity. And uh, Charlie never was intimidated by his presence. He felt like he was uh, a very good lieutenant. And now John has moved into that role himself. I think the biggest thing that stands out for me is how well he has handled a bullpen. That's always a challenge for a manager, but with Jimmy Garcia pitching yesterday, now the team has seven guys that have 60 or more appearances. That's the most in the majors, and I think it's impressive because, first, they've stayed healthy, and second, because they've all pitched effectively. So he can use them uh, any given night. He can always have a couple of well-rested arms, and you know it's almost like he's got two complete units down in that bullpen that they can mix and match and keep everybody as fresh as possible. Buck, how worried should we be about Kevin Gosman's finger? Uh, you shouldn't be worried at all. It's not an issue. I talked to Pete Walker on the uh, airplane last night. It's a split fingernail. It's not a cut. It's it's what happens, uh, and, and this is quite common. I mean, you remember a few years ago, uh, Aaron Sanchez had all sorts of problems with his fingernail because the uh, last point, of contact with your hand and that baseball is the inside of a pitcher's middle finger on his pitching hand. So if you just put your other index finger up against the inside of that middle finger and press against it, you can feel how that presses against the fingernail. So they really have to make sure they take good care of their fingernails, but he gets a lot of pressure from that split finger pitch. And when he throws it uh, a lot, it, it'll, split that nail from time to time. Pete wasn't concerned about it at all. Uh, Kevin's going to have a week of rest. Uh, we don't know if he's going to pitch game two or game three. So I think he's got plenty of time to get right. He doesn't throw that split finger pitch in any other time than in the game because of that friction that he gets when throwing it. So uh, I think he's going to be just fine. Had it been, this is exactly what Pete told me last night. He said, had it been a playoff game, he would have continued. Hmm. 
Buck Martinez uh, from Sportsnet joining us here on the big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960. I don't know why I'm on the theme of being concerned here, Buck, but Jose Barrios getting the start tonight in Baltimore uh, for the Blue Jays. Does, is this start going to maybe potentially shift uh, the focus that maybe he starts a potential game three? No, Ross Stripling's been so good for the Blue Jays. Or do you think that decision's already made based on a potential matchup? I think that decision's already made. I, I think the way it's lined up right now, if they wanted to, they could leave it the way it is with uh, Manoa, Stripling, and Gosman in that order in the wild card. But I, I think Jose Barrios understands that he's not pitched as well as he has in the past, and uh, Ross Stripling's pitching very well right now. So I think Stripling will get the nod over Barrios in the postseason, no matter when he pitches. And I just think that uh, that's the right call. Uh, you know, it's an important game for Barrios tonight. Uh, he's got to throw well. The Blue Jays need to win two more, as you mentioned. So it's an important game for him tonight. He's pitched very well against the Orioles all season long. He's actually pitched well against the American League East. And the problem that Jose has had is when things go sideways, he can't stop it. And he's had a couple of eight earned run outings. He's had four, six earned run outings. And, you know, it's just been one of those years where, where things didn't go right for him. And it started opening day against Texas. He lasted just one-third of an inning, and uh, he got hit around pretty good, including a leadoff home run by Brad Miller of the Rangers. So that was maybe a preview of things to come in uh, what's been his worst season in his career. Buck, do you see something mechanically when he's struggling on the mound right away at the beginning, or do things just snowball for him? No, they snowball, and that's what happened there, you know. Even in his last start, he got off to a pretty decent start, and you say, okay, well, maybe he's figured things out. Uh, but it just uh, doesn't seem to be the case. Uh, he retired uh, six out of the first seven against the uh, Yankees, and then in the uh, third inning gave up uh, two runs on three hits, and there's just no way of knowing. I mean, physically, you look at his stuff, he's throwing 97. He's got good movement on his fastball, I think. There has been some suggestion that he was tipping his pitches for a while. He's made some adjustments with that. But I think uh, it's just a matter of him leaving too many fastballs over the heart of the plate. And uh, when he does, he gets hit hard. And that's been the case for him all year long. Buck, I feel like this season we've seen another good year from Vladimir Guerrero Jr., but one of the biggest steps that I feel like he's taken has maybe been as a leader in the clubhouse, really being the heartbeat of the team. We saw it a little bit in that Yankees series. It's continued here in the last few. Have you seen that same jump, and how do you think it could affect him and the Jays as they head into the postseason? Well, you know what? He hasn't had, uh, obviously, the kind of year he had last year. But when you look at his numbers, I mean, anybody in baseball would be satisfied with 31 homers and 96 RBIs at this point. But, uh, you know, I don't think Vladdy is a leader on this team. I think he's one of the guys that just kind of falls in line. He has a responsibility of, uh, you know, being a a big bat in the middle of their order and and playing a, a premium position at first base. But I think there are other guys on the team, and I don't think he's concerned about that. I think when you look at uh, Bo, and you look at Guriel, Chapman, Springer, those to me are the guys that are the leaders of the position players. And then, uh, you know, you look at David Phelps and, and Gosman and even Monoa to a point. I think those are the leaders on the pitching staff. So it's been a good mix. I think the team gets along very well. And uh, I don't think Vlad is concerned about being any kind of emotional leader. I think he just wants to be the best hitter he can be. Buck, what has Whit Merrifield meant to the Blue Jays the last two or three weeks here? He's changed the personality of the team. 
Merrifield is, uh, you know, he's led the league and hits twice in back-to-back seasons, and he's uh, he's a guy that has a different toolbox than the rest of the guys. He's got more speed. He's led the league a couple of times in steals, and you know, he's 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 starting to swing the bat the way he has in the past. So he's got five doubles, five home runs now. His average is up to 270 since he's joined the Blue Jays, and and this is a guy that uh, can do a lot of things, especially. If he's hitting down in the order, if he's hitting seventh, eighth, or ninth, and then you got Springer and Bo and Brady at the top, you know he puts a lot of pressure on the defense. He's had two forty stolen base seasons. Uh, he he just brings a lot of energy to the team. And you know after getting uh, off to kind of a slow start, and then he didn't play much, but now you got to give him a lot of credit because he hung in there, kept himself ready, and when the opportunity presented itself with Espinal getting hurt, he was ready to run with it. Uh, I know you talk about Whit Merrifield and just makes the Blue Jays lineup even longer. But when I watch this, uh, Buck, when I watch this team and Teoscar Hernandez is on fire like he's been the last seven games, he's hit four home runs. To me, he feels like the key of this team. If Teoscar's swinging a hot bat, it just makes things, there's just a different feel to me when I watch the Blue Jays. And they're just even that more dangerous. Do you kind of feel like the same way? Yeah, he's certainly one of the guys. And, uh, you know, what? I, I think that's what makes the Blue Jays so interesting is there's about five guys like that in their lineup. You know, you can say that about Springer. We have seen that with Bo. We have seen it for a couple of years with Vladi. Teoscar can do that. I think at times Gurriel can do that. But, uh, yeah, right now, Teo's swinging the bat really well. And he's swinging the bat with a lot of confidence. You know, there were a few times this year where it looked like uh, he lost his focus and he had some misplays in the outfield. And, you know, he was Cadillacing some home runs. And, you know, it, it proved to be costly. But I think John Snyder, another aspect of what he's done so well is he addressed it right away. And now you see Teoscar hustling out of the box, hustling in the field and, you know, I think John has delivered a very, very uh, strong message that, uh, you know, we're going to have one way of playing it. And if you don't want to play that way, I'll find somebody else that can. And, you know, even when he dropped Bo into the seventh spot, I think that sent a terrific message that, you know, these guys, uh, you know, you're not given anything. You have to earn it. And then Bo, you know, made an adjustment. He didn't like it in seventh, so he got hot. And now here he is back in the two spot again. We've seen Danny Jansen swinging the ball exceptionally well of late. The last few weeks, he's been really good at the plate. Um, Buck, do you do you get any perhaps Pat Borders vibes the way that you're seeing Danny Jansen swing the bat right now? Yeah, I mean, in reference to Borders, I'm sure you're talking about the way he performed in the postseason, and he was an MVP in the World Series. And, and I think Danny has, uh, you know, somebody asked me a week or so ago if I had a sleeper pick in the postseason, and I said Danny Jansen because uh, the way he's swinging the bat right now. And, and I think there's a chance that you'll see both catchers in the starting lineup when they play game one of the wild card series because uh, Monoa is going to pitch. Kirk will catch. And the way Danny's swinging the bat, I think he'll be H. And John has been asked about that. And he said, yeah, I would do that. You know, oftentimes uh, managers are reluctant to put both of their catchers in the same lineup, but I don't think that's going to be the case with John. And and I think if Danny continues to swing the bat or the way he is right now, there's no reason to keep him out of the lineup. Uh, Bo, uh, Bo, Buck, if you had a chance, who's the better who's the better matchup for the Jays, the Mariners or the Rays at Rogers Center? The Rays at Rogers Center right now. Okay. I think uh, you know they're not playing very well. They've uh, not scored many runs lately. Uh, I, I think, uh, you know, don't want to play the Rays and Trop at the Trop, that's for sure. <laughs> but uh, I think right now, if uh, 
if you had your choice, you'd take the Rays at home. Uh, Seattle's got a good pitching staff. Uh, Seattle's got a good bullpen. And, uh, you know, they're playing with a lot of emotion. It's been a long time since they've been in the postseason, going all the way back to 2001. So if I could pick and pick my opponent, it would be the Tampa Bay Rays right now. Uh, Buck, before I let you go, uh, here's another reason why I love baseball so much. If I would have told you at the beginning of the season, if we did this interview in April, I would have told you this. In October, Albert Pujols would have more home runs than Carlos Correa. You would have said what? Yeah, I'd say you're crazy. It's uh, hard to believe what he's done. He's uh, he's had a phenomenal season. And not only has he hit home runs, but he's hit meaningful home runs. And he's yeah. been a big part of what the Cardinals have done here in the second half. And, uh, you know, to his credit, he's one of the finest uh, people I've ever met in baseball. And he continues to, to show that kind of uh, – uh, respect for the fans for the game for his opponents he's a tremendous person and uh, what a career he's had and you know the Cardinals did a, a great thing for him in their last home game they walked all three of those guys off the field together in the middle of the game Adam Wainwright Yachty Molina and Albert Pujols and they've been a big part of that Cardinal run for the last several seasons and um, yeah I don't expect that they're going to be uh, out very quickly in that uh, National League playoff race because they are really playing with a lot of emotion right now. Buck Martinez, television play-by-play announcer. He does a great job on the color as well for Sportsnet. Buck, always a pleasure. Thanks for this. Well, good luck out there in Calgary. I hope everything goes well. I know it's uh, it's a great sports market, and I'm sure you'll do well out there. Well, that thanks for the kind words, Buck. We'll do this again soon. All right. Bye for now. Well, Buck uh, remembers I was in Toronto. My goodness. I'm, uh, Your face lit up there. It did. That was. Uh, saw, he's a legend. Was, that was pretty cool. Is Buck not on the R- Mount Rushmore of Canadian sports broadcasters? Hundred percent. Thank you, Patrick Dumont. Put up uh, Bob there. Bob oh, Cole. Of course, of course. Um, Bob Cole up there. Don Whitman. Here we go up there. Don Whitman. Chris Cuthbert's there. Yeah, yeah I was gonna say CC. He's done he it all. Yeah, Dan Showman's Canadian. Dan Showman's probably the best play-by-play guy on the planet. Well, if the Jays do something this season, all of a sudden. Well, he's, he's going to be doing stuff for ESPN Radio. Mm. So he's not on the Sportsnet broadcast. It'll be Buck and Tabby with Hazel. That's how it's going to go. Because Dan has... That'll be good. Uh, hopefully Dan's calling uh, Blue Jays games for the World Series on ESPN Radio. Yes. That would be super fun and exciting. That would be very fun. I do love when Dan Shulman can join us, too. Like, he is so smooth. Very, very smooth. Up, He's an OG up. Sportsnet 590 The Fanner. Like he is. Got Steve Armitage on the text line. Okay. It's tough. I hate that. Peter Marr here. People would love that. Yeah. Very good uh, radio broadcaster for a right. long times. But I don't know. Buck is. Buck's he's, now synonymous right with there. the Blue Jays. 100%. Without like, a doubt. Everyone Player, has a buck. Manager, commentator. Right. Everyone has like a, a buckism. Like everybody knows. Like he's so good. He's so smooth. And I think what a lot of the fans will love is, you know, we saw it over the, I don't know, was it this weekend where he was kind of giving it to Vladdy for not running? Or was, was that series round. against yeah. the Yankees? Or was that? Yeah. Yeah. And this is a team that at that point was, you know, hours, days away from clinching a playoff spot. Mm-hmm. But given a very real take that I think a lot of listeners, you know, enjoy, especially because a lot of listeners understand the fact that the, the broadcasting team owns the team. So, or the broadcasting company owns the team. So there's a little bit of that in there. 
and when you can actually be real with it, I just think it's it's appreciated. Uh, knowing Buck, how I know Buck and people who know Buck, I don't think he gives a you know what where that check is coming from. Right. Nope. He's Buck freaking Martinez. Yep. And he will say uh, absolutely whatever is on his mind. And he's not a guy that criticizes too much. Like he gives an honest assessment of what's going on in the field. He's fair about and, it. And that's why when he said what he said about Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and not running out of the box, it's a little old school and I understand all of that, but it means something when it comes from a guy like Buck Martinez because it's not like he's out there spewing hot takes all the time and criticizing everyone. No, when he does and says something like that, People pay attention to it because of who he is and how long he's been around the game. And I also thought it was an instance that warranted it. Like, John Schneider yep. came out after that game and basically said the exact same type of stuff that Buck had said during the broadcast. And, you know, he's not he's not stealing answers. He's not going to listen back to the call and then bringing that out to the media. And, and when you're right on the same page as the manager, that's always something that I think, you know, checkmark, full marks. Outstanding. What do you think the playoff vibes are going to be in this city? Because I know that uh, the Blue Jays are a big deal in the playoffs. The ratings on Sportsnet are through the roof. They always are. When they're in the yeah. playoffs. But what's the vibe here in this city when the Blue Jays are in the playoffs? Like, what is there? Is Do, do fans get together at specific bars? Are there viewing parties? Do people not care that much? They're still into it. Like, what? Give me the Calgary vibe of the Blue Jays in the playoffs. People are pretty dialed into it. Um, you know, this is a, a town that's just finishing up our slow pitch season for the most part. Right. So maybe some people dialed into that. But like Putting I their remember, jeans away for another season. Yeah, exactly. Wearing their jeans playing slow pitch, which yeah. is always my favorite. Yeah. Bad. What an athletic accomplishment, wearing jeans playing slow pitch. I don't like to wear jeans full stop. Okay. But for people who are like, yeah, I'll wear them to slow pitch. Like, all right, that's your vibe. Mm. <laughs> Just wearing hard pants to sports. All right. Good for you. Not for what's, me. What's worse, jeans at slow pitch or jeans at golf? Oh, how do you get on the course if you're doing jeans at well, golf? if you're playing a course that isn't maybe the nicest. I think one of the local courses, the city, <sighs> city courses wouldn't mind it. If you're playing a, a dumpy muni, can you get on? Can you? <laughs> can you dumpy, dumpy muni. muni. <laughs> can you get on? Sorry, that's way too golf speed. I like that. Um, can you get some <laughs> we, jeans on can we, there? Can we clip that? Oh, I'd like to use that clip. for morning reports. Dumpy yeah. Muni. Dumpy Muni. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Can you wear jeans? Like, what's yeah, worse? Yeah, you probably could. Jeans on the golf course or jeans on the slow pitch diamond? I think slow pitch diamond. You literally look like you because got you have to run sometimes. Street. Yeah, yeah. And slow golf, pitch. golf. You you meander. Yeah. You wander. Yeah. You frolic. If you want to, sometimes, yeah. If, it, if you hit a good shot, hit it tight. I frolic, maybe a I'll little frolic. The heck maybe out you, of that. Maybe you mix in a prance. <laughs> I might do a little pirouette if I'm feeling extra. Right, frantic. Chip in for a birdie. You're super happy. Somersaults. Yeah, I think I've seen. Uh, this is from years ago. Uh, mm -hmm. On my again, we we talked about ball hockey, and I'm from the mecca of ball hockey in the world. Mm -hmm. um, there was this guy who played on our team. He showed up. He was a little in the sauce. In the bag, he was doing a little day drinking. Oh, and I'm, I am not my guy. I'm not against day drinking. My guy. Nothing beats that sweet six o'clock nap after you've been drinking all day, and then you and then you're getting ready for the night sesh. Well, it's actually I totally get that. It's bedtime when you do this show, but right, that's fine. Good point. Yeah, yeah. For um, the average he human, he showed up to a ball hockey game in jeans, and he was pretty, pretty gunned. Yeah, not a good look. 
trying to run playing ball hockey in jeans. The other thing there's a lot that of I always chafing come to, there. There must have been a lot of chafing. Yeah, and unless you baby powder up, not a lot of lot places of for heat right. and moisture to escape. Yeah, so I don't love that that yeah. combination. That's got bad vibes for me. Mm-hmm. And the other thing too is like, what if you fall and you rip your jeans? That's fine. No, it's not. Jeans. Yeah, but. People wear pre-ripped jeans. No yes. one wears jeans that they legit like actually ripped. ripped. Yeah, no okay. one wears legit jeans. They're like, yeah, I I fell and I ripped the knees open. Actually, you know what? I shouldn't say that. We got a lot of farmers out there to listen to us, and I'm sure that there's many of them that are. I saying, love the farming community. I wear many a ripped jean, and that is okay. very fair and appropriate. But yeah, like my point being, you know, I have what three pairs of jeans. Not very many. Mm-hmm. It's not a big, not a. So you wouldn't want to rip one of them. No. And I, again, a very. Partic- I need to get my year out of See, them. I'm very particular about my jeans because I have short legs. Yeah. Okay. Like I'm not a short guy. I'm five ten. Yeah. But I have really short femurs. Like look how short my femur is. It look is, at that thing. It. Yeah, it's kind of like a. It's, it's like a, the it's length a stub. of my forearm. Yeah, almost. it's a stub. Yeah. Like I, what, do you got like a long torso? Big. I head? do have a big. Well, I, you know, I have a giant head. You do, have a and big I have a bean, long. Yeah. yeah, like my head almost has a moon around it. Oh. But I have a long torso, and I have short femurs. Mm. So if you actually look at my femur, I think when they were handing out femurs, I slept in that day. Yeah, because you got the budget I, bin. I lost the femur lottery in life. Like I definitely didn't win the femur lottery because I should be a good two to three inches taller. You know when? But you're I'm not. Put- so. I need my jeans hemmed because I have short femurs. Yeah. Well, and so you got to get them all custom custom ordered and then hemmed or, or no, straight off the them. rack and then hemmed? Yeah, straight off the rack and then hemmed. Do you have a, you know, no, no free plugs or anything, but do you have a, a go-to brand and style that you... Uh, no, it depends. Avoid? You I like, do whatever? I like, I, like, I like a darker jean. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I like, to, I like to dress stylish yet age appropriate. Mm. I think that's a good lesson for a lot of our listeners out there. Stylish yet age appropriate. Like if I would have shown up with some like ripped jeans here, you're like, what, what's happening I would be like, right what now? What is this guy? Like what? What if even they're bedazzled? Like what if I come with some bedazzled jeans that I wore at the at the club? Like no, I'm not at, doing that. At, at the what? At the club. At the yeah, at the club. The club. Um, That's where you. Go I'm to not going to be doing yeah. that again. Uh, this is this is a rule of thumb for all the gentlemen listening out there. <laughs> oh, good. Dress stylish yet age appropriate. Stylish yet age appropriate. Yeah. You don't have to dress like a dad if I'm you're an older guy. Stylish. You can be stylish at age appropriate. But age appropriate. Okay, so really quickly before we get to the break, let's let's put a little bow on this. Hmm? Jeans and softball or golf? Go. Neither. Softball's worse. Okay. Sounds good. Ryan Leslie covers the flames for Sportsnet. Will join us straight ahead. We'll talk we'll we'll tell you um where the flames are on the NHL's watchable list, according to USA Today. And we're opening up the phone lines. Super excited to hear from you. Where's the best place for Georgie Boy here to go get uh, pizza, some wings, maybe some nachos, a steak, have a drink to watch the game, uh, maybe go get my jeans hemmed, uh, maybe get my hair cut. I need help with all of this stuff. Yeah, because you live here now. I live here now. I'm here. I love it. It's a beautiful city. I want to be all in on Calgary. You got to tell me where to go. We'll do that at 8.30. It's the big show. Rose, Russick, Sportsnet 5. There's five bucks. There you go. Sportsnet 9. There's five bucks. Oh ah! Sportsnet 960, Cancel the fan. The show.